Hey guys, welcome back to the Hometown Founder Podcast. Today's episode is with a very good friend of mine, J.C. Weber. We talk about the uh, emotional difficulties of entrepreneurship, of jumping from a cush, steady job to owning your own business. We talk about some strategies that he's carried over from a software company to his retail company. And we just talk a little bit about the family dynamics, just the lifestyle, and what it's like owning your own business. Anyways... I hope you enjoy this, and let's get into the podcast. Hey guys, this is Kyle Rawson, and you're listening to the Hometown Founder Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are doing big things from small places. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hometown Founder Podcast. I'm with a very good friend of mine, JC Weber. JC and I have been friends for a while. We work together. We live like a hundred yards away from each other. Uh, JC, maybe give a couple sentences, twenty seconds, uh, who you are and what you're all about. All right. Um, as Kyle said, uh, JC Weber, uh, born and raised in Rexburg, Idaho. Um, currently, I am working uh, with my parents at the Circle of Love, and uh, in the process of taking that over from them. Happily married uh, to my wife Kaylee, with three beautiful kids. My son, uh, Payson, just started kindergarten. Today? Today. Dude, today is a big... So I left the house pretty late today, and it, it must have been just right before 8. There's a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we live in a neighborhood that's like, it's got to be 80% children under the age of 10. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Oh, man. For there's sure. a bunch of kids in there. So you're a family man. You're taking over your parents' uh, business. Um, for I guess for the listeners that are not familiar with Circle of Love. Like, what is that business? What do you yeah, guys do? Yeah, Circle of Love is a formal and bridal wear business. We obviously sell uh, wedding gowns. We carry men's suits, rent uh, tuxedos, and we also carry women's apparel. Cool. So I'm actually interested in talking about, like, the dynamics of uh, a, a son taking over the parent's business. Yeah. I, I, that happens a lot. It's a fairly common thing. But before we get into it too much, uh, maybe, like, Give us the like the backgrounds, the hero story of JC. How like were you entrepreneurial as a kid? Did you always have a job? Like what were you like when you were a kid? Yeah, uh, my first uh, entrepreneurial venture was about when I was six years old. Okay, uh, we lived next to the golf course here in Rexburg, and when the canal would dry up, me and my friends would go through there and pick out all the golf balls. And back in the day. Uh, Rexburg was huge for sunbirds um, when it was Rick's College, and they were off track. So we'd have a lot of elderly people come to the area who just golf and play tennis. So I would set up shop in front of my parents' business with this basket of golf balls and sell them for 50 cents to a dollar, depending upon how nice they were in their mm -hmm. brand. Did, so, that, did you make decent money for a six-year-old? Uh, you know, I can't remember how much I even made. Um yeah. I just remember making money, and then I think I spent all the money, probably on candy or. <laughs> of course, you did. At six years old. I'm sure my parents made me save a little bit. Yeah, uh, knowing your parents, it that that's probably true. Yeah, then they probably took it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, to finding golf balls and reselling them, like, how did you even think to do that? It was probably, I mean, a lot of it comes from the house I grew up in and my parents. Uh, my dad, he obviously has done a lot of different ventures um, beyond just circle of love with mm -hmm. real estate, um, different properties and purchasing things. And 
I think he was the one initially who said, hey, you should come to the store and sell these at our sidewalk sale. Oh, okay. Um, they obviously were always very helpful and kind of getting everything set up for me, but they always made it so I had to do the actual work. So they never sold the mm-hmm. golf balls. They never sat at the the table. That was always on me, which yeah. I, obviously I'm grateful for now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you, as a six-year-old, you have this I- the idea to start a, I mean, technically it's a business, right? Yep. Um, did you do anything, uh, I mean, obviously now you're, you, you've got a business between six and now, did you have, were you one of those guys that always had a new business? Did you have like a lawn mowing business growing up? What was your entrepreneurial career like? Yeah, I always have tried to have a side hustle going, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout my life. Um, probably the one that was that like an actual business that really helped me in this was right after my mission. Um, I was living in Idaho Falls, actually it was right after Kaylee and I got married and I started a company called Idaho Falls Odd Jobs. Hmm. And so it started out where I was painting the numbers in front of houses. But by doing that, I always converse with the individuals who I was doing it for. And from there, I helped someone install a mailbox. I helped someone paint their house. I helped someone refinish hmm. a bathroom. So just odd jobs. Yeah. Um, and I remember that summer, I made uh, quite a bit of money. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything else, actually, that summer. Kaylee was working, and uh, I just started doing that. And uh, it was great. And then we decided to move back to Rexburg and uh, got back into school and was working mm-hmm. on campus at that point. Gotcha. So I, I'm i surprised we've never talked about this. So you, you've you gone door to door and then painted people's street addresses on, on their curb? Yep. Dude, I did that. That's how like I paid my way through college. Yeah. So. And then I upselled them on. I also did window washing and uh, headlight restoration. Walk by, oh, man, the, your car parked in the driveway. You, you got to clean these headlights up. That's crazy that we both did that. How did you get that idea? So I think I was uh, obviously just researching jobs you could do like through college and uh, in the area. Mm -hmm. And that was one that just came up and people had mentioned they'd done. Uh, My uncle is very entrepreneurial as well. And he actually gave me the idea. He did a lot of window washing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he said, hey, you could do this. And so I would always offer to window wash. I did a number of window washing, but it was more, I always was getting it from just doing the numbers. Gotcha. That makes sense. See, because I, I think I was 17, 18, I saw um, a bunch of Boy Scouts going door to door, and that's how they were raising money was by painting street addresses on the curbs. And I was like, Man, that's a that's a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna privatize that and do it myself. And, yeah. and it, it was it's a good little little side business. Oh yeah, and and it's all you know. I really learned a lot from obviously working with people in the sales pitch. Uh, you know, I'd yeah. always come off on the safety side as far as by having this, people can find your house, but mm-hmm. more importantly, if something was to happen, you know, the fire department, police officers could find your house. Uh-huh. Like, you obviously got to be somewhat careful in saying that, but <laughs> it was like a safety concern. Sure. Good for you. I, I remember I always went the, the vanity route if somebody else mm-hmm. got it done. And so I'd go into a neighborhood and I'd find a car – a, a car parked outside that looked like it was the fanciest, nicest car in the neighborhood. And then I'd ring the doorbell and say that I'm just doing this as a public service for free, get their last names. And then everybody else in the neighborhood, I'd say, I like that. Hey, just came from the Johnsons, just figured up that finished up their curb. Uh, you know, we're doing it for 10 bucks a piece or 15 yep. bucks a piece or whatever. So I, that, that was the route that I went and uh, it works, right? I mean, that's a, it does. It's, it's a good, it's a high margin business, man especially when you're 18. It's true. So the question for you, Kyle, is is when people have come around our neighborhood, has anyone hit your house and wanted Asking to Asking for that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah what, have have. You, what have you told them? I said, hit the bricks, kid. 
Come on. I got a feel for those kids. I always let them I do know. it. If if it was anything else, because I, 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 I'm a sucker for young entrepreneurs, obviously. Yeah. But in that case, I, I share that home with a woman who does not want spray paint on the curb, which, I mean, you know, I empathize with. She likes things clean and tidy. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, uh, respect that. she opposes that. But anything else, yeah, I support them youngins. That's right. Not in that, though. Well, it's so cool. So you you obviously were an entrepreneurial guy. Um, right after you got married, you did that. But then you got into school. You got a real job. I know when you and I met, you were um, running operations at a SaaS company. Where did? How did you – did you always expect that you would be an entrepreneur? Um, did you get a job just for the safety security side of things, for the more educational experience side of things? Like – why did you go into that route? Yeah, I think a lot of it was safety and security. Uh, you know, you're young, married. We just had had our first kid. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're feeling like, I got to provide. And yeah. this opportunity came. And I said, you know, I'm going to run with this opportunity for five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that five years came, it was coming to an end. Um, the CEO came to me, you know, and he offered me um, more saying, Hey, we want to see you stick around. And that's kind of the crossroads for me where I had to make the decision of either, yes, I'm going to be with this company for the long term, yeah, or this is the time where I'm going to jump out and do my own thing and find something. And, and throughout these five years, I was always thinking of new ideas and things I'd want to do, you know, other people I may want to partner with. Um, and the circle of love was always really option. It was always the first entrepreneurial option, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't ever know how it would play out with my parents being involved because I didn't know yeah. where they were at as far as how long do they want to be in the business, what's their long-term goals, mm-hmm. and could the business support all of us financially? Right. Yeah. That I, I don't know what that's like because, I mean, I think in, in some cases, I know like in farming oftentimes the business is just kind of inherited by the by the kids and you just pass it on and, and yeah. the... 40, 50 years that you have to run the business, you you grow it and you make as much money as you can, but you're kind of obligated to pass it on, right? Mm-hmm. But in most businesses, and I think in yours, it's it's a purchase. Like it's not like it's just given to you. You got to f- seek financing and and buy your parents out, right? It, exactly. And and the main reason for that is I have four other siblings, mm-hmm. and as as we sat down, we actually had a family council where we all sat down together and my parents kind of laid things out as far as what they were thinking, what their plans were. And really we offered it to all of the kids saying, this is what we're looking at if you want to purchase the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously all of my siblings knew I was the most interested at that point. And I said, I want to move forward and I want to purchase the business from you and mm-hmm. come in and make the transition. Yeah. that's And I mean, obviously with your parents who you trust and you kind of, I think you kind of grew up with the business, right? Like you, you were raised in the store. So you knew the business fairly well. Yeah. Um, But it was still a risk, right? And it still is, I I guess. How long ago did you, did you make the switch from uh, your, your job to circle of love full time? So it was actually November 11th, 2017. I remember the exact day that I woke up. It was a Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I was, didn't have to work in my other job. And I said, I'm going to go in and I'm going to work at the circle of love today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always kind of helped whenever they needed, but I said, I'm going to like show up and just say, I'm here to work. Mm-hmm. And from that Saturday, I started kind of working uh, almost every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then it was in January of 2018 that I let my employer know that I would be moving uh, to full time to the circle of love. And we set up a five month transition. So really I went full time in May of 2018 uh, to give my 
current employer just enough time, but also to give me some time to really know, like, this is what I want to be doing full time. Yeah. Makes it, so it's been, I mean, just a few months that you've been a hundred percent entrepreneur versus, versus having your job, yeah. right? Yep. So, um, then correct me if I'm wrong. This is also the first time since, uh, being married and having children and having, in your case, four people and a mortgage that completely depend on you and your income. Uh, walk me through that, like uh, taking that leap and making that, cause that's a significant change financially, emotionally, especially yeah. like how, how'd you get yourself there? Yeah. And, and it was great. Cause my parents were very open with everything. My dad and mom, they gave me the books and they said, you can look through everything, ask any questions you want, mm-hmm. run the numbers and, really they let me decide for myself. Um, at no point in time did they say like, this is what, you know, what we think you should do, or here's, you know, the numbers that we can pay you. It was, you come to us with what you think you can live on Mm -hmm. and what you think is still going to sustain the business and create growth. And so I really just dove into the books of the business and I looked at every single number and said, okay, how can we do this? And then I set forward a plan and presented it to my parents and said, this is how I'm going to grow the business. And really, I, my main goal is that I'm generating enough revenue to support my family. So that's the kind of the fun part. But obviously, mm-hmm. the business, it's been established for 28 years. My parents have done a great job of establish, establishing a brand here in Rexburg mm-hmm. and in eastern Idaho um, that a lot of people come to. So it's nice having that, but I still have my own merits that I have to make and create sure. and and live by. That's got to be like a an interesting transition. I mean, I've never had a real job. I started my business the day I graduated college. And so I, I got to imagine when you have a job, especially, you know, big boy job where you get a salary and everything. If you're, if you're at the table with your boss negotiating salary, your mentality is probably pay me as much as possible, right? Like, yeah. like you want, you want to get as much as you can get. If it's $80,000 a year, if it's 280000 you you just want the most you can get. But then when you jump into an entrepreneurial situation, like my situation, it's it's really the opposite. Like I pay, I pay myself the least amount that I can because I want to grow the business. Was that transition strange or were you kind of already used to thinking that way? No, it, w- it was an adjustment for sure. I mean, moving from uh, my salary job to being the entrepreneurial, I mean, it was a 35% cut. Yeah. And pay and benefits. Mm-hmm. And so it was a different mentality, but a lot of it, you know, it's for the long game yeah. as far as seeing the upside. And obviously, a lot of that still is dependent upon you personally and what you can create and the team that you can help uh, take to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot, there is a lot of risk. I'm still young enough where if, if we were to go completely broke and we were to lose everything, which Worst case scenario, you know, you always play these out in your mind. What's the yeah. worst case? What's the best case? So worst case is, is, you know, we lose everything pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start over. Yeah. And, and if you look at, and for me, you know, I've read a lot of books. I look up to a lot of, you know, the great entrepreneurs um, and a lot of them in their lifetime, they've obviously failed. And a lot of them have gone broke at one point with mm-hmm. different ventures. You go through a lot of different ventures to hit maybe the one. Yeah. Um, and obviously I hope to take circle of love. And I know my parents do as well, because it's <laughs> the, a lot of it's their, their retirement. John and um, Heather listening to this right now, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Going broke is not an option, JC. <laughs> but 
you know, and that's that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, even growing yeah. up, I remember in our house, um, the circle of was always part of that. And there was great years, and there was really tough years. Yeah. And so, growing up with that, you you learn that, and you, you kind of get in that mentality of you know what it would actually be. It's you get used to the ride, I guess, of that. Yeah. Um, not that stability isn't nice, but there's obviously a lot of perks and benefits with being the entrepreneur. And that's one of the things I've loved about this transition from going from a salary job to doing this is every morning when I wake up, I can do what I want. But obviously, at the end of the day, I'm making my own money. Yeah. So if I make a lot of money, great. If I make no money, that's on me too. Yeah. You know, you saying that just got me thinking about because I grew up, grew up, I mean, we weren't we weren't extravagant or anything, but my parents did did well. I think we were super, super poor when I was like, when I was born up until I was like five, six, seven, eight, something like that. But you don't really remember those yeah. years, right? Ever since then, though, we, we did pretty well. And then when I went out on my own in college and, and just after college, I was as broke as anyone I've ever heard of, right? Uh-huh. And it sucked. I didn't like it. And so then when I got married, I was like... I, I was afraid to go back. I never want to be that broke again. But then once I started to make a decent living, I realized like it wasn't that bad. Yep. Being broke is just not that bad. And in America especially like it's not like you're I mean depending on your situation for the most part, worst case scenario means you don't eat out as often, right? Like yep. like no one's going to be destitute. Yeah. Right? And I think that once I realized that mentality of like losing everything really wouldn't be that bad. I think that's when my both my companies really started to grow. Was I, I, I didn't I didn't take it so seriously, I get like I wasn't afraid anymore. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, which it's really that fear factor. You know, once you can take the fear out and say, you know what, worst case I go broke and I'm okay with that and you mm-hmm. can accept that. It's funny how things just really just take off from that point because you go and you work harder you know, like I'm gonna give it my all because obviously I don't want to go broke, but if I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out of it. Yeah. Instead of just living in that fear of oh, I'm just trying to survive here because I don't want to go broke. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's so interesting. How mindset really, really plays a big factor in this. Yeah. So you you finally break off on your own with your parents. You're in the process of of you know transitioning ownership and all that. Um, Walk me through, if it's all right, a little bit more about like the, like the personal side of things. I, I mean, I know with me, uh, Nicole, my wife, is not entrepreneurial, is not a business person. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, she occasionally likes to be informed of what's going on. Sometimes she doesn't. But the the dynamic of the relationship partnership oftentimes is more important than whoever you your business partner is, right? How uh, how has that been um, at home, that transition? Yeah, I think that's probably been one of the hardest transitions mm-hmm. um, for me personally and for my wife, Kaylee. Uh, the number one thing it comes down to is communication. But even then, uh, we can communicate about, you know, this is when I'm going to leave. This is when I'm going to be home. Um, that one isn't always met because mm-hmm. um, things come up. And two, even when it's communicated, it's still an adjustment where before – you know, I left every day around 7.30, came home at 5.30. You could expect that. Yeah. And now I'm going to leave any time between, 
you know, I've left as early as 6 a.m. or mm-hmm. 10 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, and I've come home as early as, you know, 2 p.m. or 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. And so there's a lot more gap in there as far as when you come and go. And that's the biggest, that's been one of the hardest things is communicating that because mm-hmm. obviously oh, my wife enjoys it. She, at least she says when I'm home, uh, yeah. having three young kids. Yeah. And, I uh, so. and so that's, that's been one of the hardest things as far as that transition. I think financially, you know, we already have talked. We, you know, we set that out beforehand and saying, here's what we can live on. So we've already, yeah. we're already on the same page and it's great. You know, you know, as well as I is who you marry is a big impact on a lot of decisions. And if your wife is okay saying, yeah, I can live on this much. I don't need to have X amount. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously you have to paint the big picture as far as we're not always going to live this way. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to get to this point. Um, yeah. where we'll have a little bit more. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that a little bit. Cause uh, it seems like all my entrepreneurial buddies um, have a very similar mindset in that we know that it sucks for our wives or for people in our lives that that need to, want to, would like to depend on when we will be at a certain place. Yeah. Right? Yep. But when it, it, this weird thing is an entrepreneur, you're completely free to set your own schedule, which is great, but at the same time, it makes it somehow like more difficult to be places at a certain time because everything is a decision. And even though I'm pretty sure I can make it home by 5.30 on Tuesday, at 5.05, if I get a phone call from a client or an email from a customer, like things can change that quickly, right? Yep. And it's hard to understand that and empathize with that if you are not also an entrepreneur, right? So what, what advice do you give or, or thoughts do you have on entrepreneurial people, people who own their own businesses, like how do they, how do they live this life with people who are not entrepreneurs and, and not disappoint people left and right? Yeah. The big, the biggest thing I have found is whenever anything comes up and I know I'm going to be late or I'm going to know I'm going to be early right then the first person I'm going to call is my wife or I'm going to, or just send her a text Mm -hmm. and just say, Hey, this happened. And then when I get home, you know, if I need to, I'll explain it more. Mm -hmm. But, and really I've, adopted this uh, mentality of an integrated life, which is, you know, when I'm at work, I'm working. When I'm at home, I'm at home. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things too, is when I come home, I try to be at home. I leave work at work. I try not to bring up what happened, uh, you know, unless uh, Kaylee's asking me. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I'm with the kids, I'm just with the kids. I'm not, I try to set down my phone. Obviously I'm not perfect at it, um, but I try to set down my phone and just play with the kids, go outside just be with my wife in the evenings and not, you know, jump on. It's so easy in this day and age as you're always connected. They'll be looking at email, yeah. be looking at text messages, send, thinking of something you should be doing at work. Mm-hmm. And living an integrated life is, you know, when I come up, come to work, I'm going to be at work 110%. When mm-hmm. I'm at home, I'm going to be at home 110%, yeah. no matter the time. Sometimes my home life needs a little bit more time. Sometimes my work life needs a little bit more time. Yeah. that's that's. I think that's really good advice. And that's... Um, I, I've especially over the past year, I've tried to do that more. It's it's hard because you know crisis happens, yep. and it's always a decision, do, right? Um, but I've I've found that to to definitely be helpful. I mean, it's not just like I mean, wives, kids, but it's also I mean friends or people at church. Like it's uh, I think it's important just to be present. Um, even though, man, it, it sure is hard sometimes. Yeah. So you uh, are, are kind of early in this process. 
of uh, of buying your parents out and, and having the business be be yours. Um, in the past few months, uh, let's go over maybe a couple things that like that stand out as things that you learned, things that you thought would be one way and they ended up being a different way. Like, what have been some of the major takeaways from the past few months of uh, of entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know, one thing you said early on is I have grown up in the business. Um, in my childhood, we actually had uh, it was in the basement of one of our the buildings we were in. Mm-hmm. There was a play area for my sister and I. Oh <laughs> yeah, and we literally were there all the time. Um, so I, and you know, through high school, I was always helping out. Uh, so I felt like I had a good understanding, but coming in, there's a lot of things you don't see that your parents were doing. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm definitely an operations person. So it was easy for logistics as far as, um, you know, scheduling, anything financial, just Mm -hmm. the back end work. Um, one thing I found that I really liked though is working with the customers. Hmm. Uh, you know, something my wife has pointed out because you know she'll come in occasionally with the kids to see me, and I'm always up front mm-hmm. helping. And you know, she'll say, "Haven't you hired your employees to be up there? Uh-huh. You know, creating that." I'm like, I love creating that customer experience though, and how important that is. So that's one thing um, I've learned that I've really I always knew it was important, but I've learned that I really enjoy doing is helping the customer, yeah. being out in the front of the store. Um, interacting with the customer and seeing, creating that ideal customer experience. Um, One of the biggest changes has been for me is coming from a SaaS company is coming to retail, specifically Mm -hmm. cost of goods sold. Mm -hmm. When I first came into the business and seeing how much we were spending on Mm -hmm. inventory and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm spending more than I'm making. At least that's how it feels. Uh-huh. But then realizing I own this now, like this is my mm. inventory that I own, whether it's suits or wedding dresses and there's different buying seasons. And now it's my opportunity to get out there and sell this yeah. and really create that customer experience and ensure that everyone, you know, finds what they're, what they look good in. And, and so that's been a big learning curve for me is adjusting to, uh, buying cycles and understanding inventory and, you know, when do I need to order something so that way I'll have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really big on uh, just-in-time inventory and uh, there's it's kind of changing that mentality of how do I know um, when I'm going to need something and have enough of it at the yeah. same time. That's, yeah, th- I got to imagine the logistical operations of a software company very different than retail, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm three months in. That's, uh, I'm surprised that you've, that you've been able to get a grip. I mean, that I, I would struggle with that. That's pretty different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it you know, with the SaaS company, it's for me. What I've seen, the number one thing you're worried about is employees, because that's you're mainly employing people who are, yeah. you know, creating the software, um, servicing, or you know, helping the customer on that end. While in retail your number one uh, expenses in the inventory itself. Yeah. Um, while labor is really a, a, a low, is a minor expense uh-huh. in all of that. Um, but one of the things I also really enjoyed that I feel like I've brought to the table is working with employees. Yeah. Uh, dealing with any employees can be difficult because um, everyone is different. We all have our unique personalities and you re- never fully know what you're getting when you hire someone uh-huh. um, 100%. And so coming in and having to work with that, um, being on the operations side, one of the things I've really tried to do is create uh, visual management, huh. just trying to make everything visual in our store. So one for me, cause I'm new uh-huh. and two for our employees. So it, as I know, 
we are all going to constantly be hiring new employees mm-hmm. um, as we have turnover and just trying to make things so it's intuitive. Yeah. You know, how do you put a tuxedo together? Where do I go for this or for that? You know, and it's so easy just to put up a sign to make notes and just try to label everything. Yeah. So you've got, when you say visual operations, you, you mean just, just that, like you have these graphics of how to put a tuxedo away or something like that. That's exactly right. That's cool. And have you found that to be pretty effective in, in training people and getting them all on the same page? So we haven't, um, I mean, it's, I'd say time time will tell. Okay. Um, so far, yes, it feels that way. Um, we've, we've redone a lot of things as far as, you know, just even placement, you know, we tried to put, move the placement of the tuxedo. So it's just intuitive of how you're going to pick a tuxedo. Uh Um, and so far I've really enjoyed it and the employees have said they've enjoyed it, but I think, you know, over the next three to six months, as we hire more employees, we'll really know how effective that is. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I, I mean, I know you're early on in, in the process, but have, have there been any things that like um, that you've tried and you've been able to see the results of, of them? Like, oh, I like that worked out, you know, maybe short term, but still like that worked out well. Have you had any of those kinds of experiences? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things when I came in is I really looked at a lot of our pricing um, mm-hmm. for different things and adjusted some of it, of the pricing um, just to I did a market analysis of the different um, formal and bridal wear stores in Eastern Idaho. And I said, where are they at and where are we at? Uh-huh. And I tried to match some of that and see what we could adjust and see if, um, you know, the consumer would notice any difference. Mm. And it's amazing how many people with some of the things we've even increased uh, um, some of the the price because we've obviously had an increase of costs. Mm-hmm. And the consumer still saying, wow, this is such a great deal, which is obviously what we want to have. Sure. Everyone feeling like they're getting a great deal for the mm-hmm. quality. And so that's been a big win for us because one, it's helped, uh, um, you know, as I mentioned, is I'm really trying to earn my own keep yeah. as far as I'm trying to generate enough revenue to support me coming into the business. Mm-hmm. That's been one of my parents' biggest things. You know, they said, we, we obviously we've worked 28 years in this business. We don't want to take a cut just to support you. Right. And I completely get that. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I've really appreciated is my parents have been very much anything I want to change or do. They'll let me try it out. Um, Obviously with their experience, they'll say that we may have tried that. Here's what we've learned. Mm -hmm. You can, you're still welcome to try it if you want. So yeah, I can appreciate that. That's cool. So from that perspective of kind of taking over your parents' business uh, in this case, it's not, it's not clean cut. You know, someone's in charge one day and somebody else is in charge the next day. You're kind of yeah. working together in this interim period, right? Yep. Um, how, how has that been? And maybe what advice would you have to somebody else who might be looking to take over their parents' business? Yeah, family businesses, especially in eastern Idaho, are very common. Yeah. Uh, it's been amazing how many people have come into our store and asked us that exact same question. Hmm. Um, but the biggest thing for me has been has come down to really respect and trust. Um, I always, and I'm not, once again, I'm not perfect at this. If my Mm -hmm. parents are listening, they'll say this is (laughs) trying to be very respectful of my parents and their knowledge, Mm -hmm. um, specifically. Um, but that's so important is to respect what they've already learned and what they've built because they have built a great business. Yeah. And on the same time, you know, they've been very respectful for me coming in and saying, Hey, I want to take this to the next level. I want to try this. I want to you know, I want to um, kind of enter these industries, this market, and my parents saying, okay, you know, lay it out and let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously knowing that the plan is for me to transition, so I think they're okay saying, you know, this is going 
if you do this, you're going to have to live with the consequences. Yeah. And so, you know, having that respect and then trust, um, you know, as I've come into the business, my parents have been there less and less, which has been the plan, which I'm grateful to see. And so obviously there has to be that trust in me that I'm going to continue to do things um, that I need to do. And once again, it goes back to the perspective of I'm not, you know, they'll come in and they'll let me know. Yeah. And then we'll just have to sit down and talk about it and say, this is what I'm trying to do. And it's really a, a big, a lot of communication. Yeah. Um, and one thing we decided early on is when we're at work, we're at work. And when we're, you know, it goes back to the whole conversation we had when we're at home, we're at home. Yeah. Um, one, because not all of my siblings, when we're all together, want to talk about the circle of love like <laughs> me and my parents do. Right. And so we have to be respectful of that. And mm-hmm. it kind of divides that relation. Um, yeah. you know, we don't want to get so tangled into business or so tangled into family stuff uh-huh. that it's not going to be easy to disconnect from either one. Yeah. You don't want to be around the Sunday dinner table and bickering about how much money you spent on retail suits or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. No, I get it. That makes sense. So it sounds like, I mean, obviously it's not perfect, but you guys had expectations laid out. You've got a plan laid out um, that that things are, are, are running smoothly, right? So far. So far. <laughs> I guess time will tell. Um, what's your what, what's your plan? What's JC's vision for the circle of love um, after your parents, you know, retire, or go serve missions, whatever they plan on doing? Yeah. Um, for me, uh, seeing the circle of love um, really get uh, involving technology. Coming from a SaaS company, I know there's a lot of technology to do a lot of things out there. Uh-huh. Um, so I've looked at, um, we're in the process right now of changing our point of sale in the business that's more bridal focused. Uh-huh. Um, we, we've uh, redone the website already, um, being able to schedule appointments online. We have that up and going now. And we're looking at um, uh, e-commerce uh-huh. um, over the next six months or so. And ultimately, I want to open up more locations. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I believe in being transparent. A lot of people say, you know, by being transparent and saying these things, you're giving your competitors an advantage on you, <laughs> you know, kind of telling them your strategy and plan. But really, I feel like what uh, Circle of Love has and me, and me specifically bringing to the table is execution. Yeah. Being able to do these things and do these things right and do them well. Um, not that I don't obviously think our competitors can do that, but I have that confidence in myself that we're going to make these things happen. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So you're, you're a big push towards technology. And then the ultimate goal is to is to build or or establish multiple locations throughout. I'm assuming throughout Eastern Idaho and just kind of geographically. Exactly. Very. And then what about like for for you personally? Like, do you see yourself when you're you know 50 years old running Circle of Love still? Do you think this is more of a of a shorter term thing? Move on to something else? Like, what what are your entrepreneurial um, aspirations? Yeah. Um, that's a great question for me personally. I see obviously for the foreseeable future, um, which is maybe five, five to 10 years, um, you know, really building up circle of love, but I'd love to get to the point where it's self-manageable, um, where you can have managers in each of the stores and I'm not having to be involved in much of the daily processes and ordering. Um, and so it's kind of getting, you know, those multiple locations. The nice part about that is I've, re- you know, looked at this is that will create enough cash to go and do something else. Um, yeah. You know, similar to yourself, I enjoy uh, helping other small businesses on the side while I've been doing this. I've still helped, uh-huh. you know, other businesses grow. Um, I don't really love the term consultant. 
Uh-huh. Um, it kind of has a negative connotation, uh-huh. um, but really just helping other businesses grow in whatever way that might be. And maybe yeah. it might be, you know, I, I come across another idea that has more to do with technology. I, I really enjoyed the time I had, you know, working for a SaaS company and I wouldn't mind getting back into that. I think the margins are great yeah. in that sort of company. Yeah. I'm I'm working on a new SaaS startup right now. Maybe maybe after this podcast we'll we can talk. talk about. It. <laughs> so uh, one thing I think is really cool is that you have done what I th- what I mean just in my small circle of friends what a lot of people ha- want to do or aspire to do, which is quit the boring day job. And maybe your day job wasn't boring, but like quit the job and become an entrepreneur. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that the proof of concept, the financial aspect of it, the emotional aspect of it. Um, you've done it though. I mean, it, recently you've done yeah. it. Um, so kind of wrap things up, maybe a piece of advice for someone who is considering doing that, having just done it yourself, what would you say to them? Yeah. Having just, uh, just been through that whole process. Um, a lot of it comes down to, uh, getting rid of the fear. You know, a lot of times fear is what holds us back in life. And we say, financially, I can't do it. Um, you know, emotionally, I can't do it. I mean, the, all those points you just made, Kyle, and just getting rid of those and saying, worst case scenario, I'm going to go broke. And as you even mentioned, Kyle, living in America and going broke, you're still going to be taken care of in some way. Yeah. And if you're a true entrepreneur, you're going to make things work out. Um, you look at how many of the successful entrepreneurs, as we, we've mentioned previously, have gone through multiple businesses and multiple ideas until they really hit one that hit it big. And um, not necessarily that you need to hit it big even. You know, for me, it's not all about hitting it, it big. It's about being fulfilled and doing something that really adds value. And uh, I, I'm okay saying I'm a true millennial. Um, <laughs> in that way, you know, where you know, a lot of research has been put out there where millennials are about um, – adding value uh, mm. to an organization and it's not so much about compensation always and for me that's what this change was about I mean obviously I took a significant pay cut to do this and uh, you think you're going to have so much more time which not necessarily you have more you're still going to have the same amount of time you may just have a little bit more flexibility mm-hmm. which I've really enjoyed and that's mm-hmm. something to consider is that flexibility and really going out there getting rid of the fear and just jump and making the jump Get rid of that fear and just jump, man. Love it. Well, JC, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, man. This is this is fun for me and educational. I thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks, Kyle. You've uh, been an inspiration to me. I've listened to all of your episodes so far, so I'm happy to be a guest now. Cool. You're the one. I was wondering who was listening to all these. Good to know. It that was, was JC the whole yep. time. <laughs> and, and your mom. She's probably listening. Yeah, yeah so. JC and, and Linda Rawson. Cool. Well, thanks, man, and thanks everyone for listening to the podcast today. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes and subscribe to hear more stories from entrepreneurs who are starting businesses in small towns. See you later.